You're listening to 15 Minutes with a Mensch. I'm Bill Battistone. This episode's guest is former president of Women of Reformed Judaism, Lynn Magid Lazar. I don't think it's necessarily a stretch to say that Lynn may be the highest profile guest I've had the opportunity to have on this podcast, and truth be told, I was quite nervous in preparing for this conversation. I had been put in touch with Lynn through a connection of a connection, and I was somewhat worried that this amateur podcast, done by a guy with a microphone and garage band on his MacBook, would be, well, kind of the minor leagues for someone with her resume and background. But it became clear almost immediately to me why Lynn Magid Lazar has been an effective and respected leader of nonprofit work for such a long time. She was extremely approachable, easygoing, and immediately brought an awesome energy to our conversation. I think that really shines through in the 15 or so minutes of recorded interview time you'll get to listen to in this episode. Lynn served on the board of WRJ in the 1990s before becoming the president in 2009. She was president for four years. The WRJ has term limits, something that I learned during our time together. But she still serves in multiple capacities in both reform and progressive Judaism organizations and nonprofits. As you'll hear, she's been a dedicated advocate for all women, especially those in reform Judaism. And it's hard not to be inspired by her example. If you're interested about learning more about women of reform Judaism, I would encourage you to check out their website www.wrj.org. There's so much material on there, information about social justice, Jewish life, many other wonderful resources and programs for people to take advantage of. If you like what you hear from Lynn, I'd highly recommend it. But without further delay, here is our mensch for this episode, Lynn Magid Lazar. Enjoy. Hi, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We're so excited to have you on. Um, it's, It's great to have a chance to visit with you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So it's been a grand adventure. Yes, it definitely is. Um, so, Lynn, I talk a little bit about your bio in the intro to this episode, but why don't you just share a little bit about your journey in Reformed Judaism? You've obviously done so much, but just kind of give us the snapshot of, of your your journey through Reformed Judaism. Okay. Um, my journey has been, a, it's actually been a lifelong journey. Um and I think in some ways kind of a classic journey. I I grew up as a Reformed Jew in a small community where everyone was involved because that's the only way it worked. And I think I took that lesson and kind of moved it forward into my adult life. Um, And I found that in most places at the time when I was a young adult, that sisterhood and the women's groups were sort of the open doorway for involvement for women, and and it grew from there. So I got involved in my uh, local sisterhood as a uh, young married person, raising my kids, and did one job and another job, and you know how that works, and then you become the president. And um, as president of my local sisterhood, I kind of learned a lot more, got involved with the district level, and then got involved with the national and uh, North American level and sort of started up that leadership ladder, kind of without 
really thinking about it. It just happened. It's one thing after another, and then you look around, and you're the president. <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, and then you realize that this is kind of the, I, I always tell people, this is the gift I give to myself, because it's been a, an, an incredible journey of meeting amazing people, um, making friends for life, um, growing as a Jew, uh, growing as a woman, it's just been a, a wonderful opportunity and so you kind of it feeds itself because you want to do more because it makes your soul happy <laughs> yeah so you know our listeners may know a little bit about women of reform judaism but um obviously as an organization they're they're so committed to you know humanitarian causes and and strengthening you know women's rights advocating for women in, in reform judaism do you want to just talk a little bit about your journey through you know, WRJ and some of the, the amazing work that's being done by the organization. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Women of Reform Judaism is, is really, truly an amazing organization. Um, it began in 1917, which I love to remind people was a time before women had the right to vote, and yet they got together and started an organization to support the movement, to to support Reform Judaism, to support their local communities. Um, and like I said, w if you look back at those old records from the, form the formation documents and stuff, those women didn't even have first names. You know, they were always Mrs. whatever their husband's name was, so-and-so. So it it's quite an impressive, I think, uh, our foremothers were very impressive. And they began, in the like I said, in the days of uh, to support um, their local communities and to support the movement as, as a whole. Um, for instance, the, the seminary, which was all men at the time, young men, uh, they did not have a dorm. They were living in local homes and things when they went to Cincinnati to start studying for the rabbinate. Uh, and so women got together in those days and raised enough money to build an entire building to um to be the and it was called the sisterhood dorm on the cincinnati campus it's still called that even though it hasn't been a dorm in a very long time so it began as a um a philanthropic uh we it also began with social justice uh we had the the 1917 um 1913, I think I said that wrong, 1913 was when, when the organization began. And at the first convention in 15, they passed resolutions uh, on um, social justice issues. And we have continued that tradition. Uh, that's, that could be a whole podcast in itself. The, the amazing uh, resolutions that, that the tagline Stronger Together. So the things that we can do when we all get together are so much more powerful than any one person can do alone. But we have passed resolutions for these last more than 100 years. None of the resolutions have ever been overturned. We've added, we've changed language. Um, we were the first ones out there to promote all kinds of um, social justice and civil rights for the LGBTQ community. Um, we were ahead of the movement at large to promote women in the rabbinate. Uh, we had a resolution on that before the Union for Reform Judaism had one. Um, so it's, it's been a really terrific social justice history and still stronger together. We still uh, raise money to, uh, to do social 
good. Yeah. For yeah. We still support our rabbinic students. We support communities in Israel and around the world. Great. So, Lynn, one of the things, you know, obviously you highlight on such an amazing past of over 100 years of advocacy. Um, but obviously, I don't think anybody is naive enough to think that the work is done. So, so what are some of the things that, that WRJ is really focusing on now in terms of equity and social justice? And where are areas that we can continue to improve as, as a reformed Jew, Jewish community? That, that's a great question. So um, we, we still are working on resolutions. The resolutions, again, are um, communal, communally created. We have committees. We take input from our uh, member individuals and groups. And so our major conference, which is happening in March, we will have two resolutions to bring to the legislative body. One of them is on labor issues. I'll actually read you the title if you want. Um, labor issues impacting women in the 21st century. and. Um, the second one is addressing a legacy of reproductive and gender-based violence against black um, uh, women and women of color um, in North America. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of written about that uh, lately um, with the medical issues of forced sterilization and that sort of thing. So uh, those are the two uh, resolutions that we are they're circulating now. People can read about them on the website. All our affiliates are discussing those, and we'll bring that to the body and vote as a group uh, to pass those resolutions, which will then enable group action. Great. And so, you know, obviously you highlight a couple of those now, but the work that you've done over the course of how many years, is just I'm sure it's been extremely impactful for you personally. Um, and, and, you know, you wouldn't be so involved with nonprofit organizations if you really didn't believe in the work. So I know it might be a hard question, but is there a profound moment or an impactful moment that when you look back on your career with not just WRJ, but just your entire career as a whole that sticks with you the most? And can you share that with us? Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, following on the social justice, it's kind of... Um, there are so many. Um, the the one I have, I have a couple of ideas. Can I tell you? Of course, that? please. <laughs> so just following on the social justice thing, um, I do. This just was an opportunity to happen to be in the right place in the right time. But I was in Israel um, with uh, with Anat Hoffman of Women of the Wall. And when the Religious Action Center in Israel had just won the case um, to uh, with the government and the bus system in Israel to uh, that it was illegal to make women go sit in the back of the bus, which they did make women do. And this is in my lifetime. I this is not that long ago. And um, the the Religious Action Center in Israel had just won that case, and people were doing freedom rides the way they did in civil rights times in the U.S. and they would go ride those buses through the ultra-orthodox areas and make sure that women were not forced to go to the back of the bus and they would turn in the bus driver who would be then you know uh, sanctioned in some way and the bus company would be sanctioned so I was able to do one of those freedom rides with Anat Hoffman which was kind of a highlight. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
People who know me well will tell you that one of the highlights uh, of my career as president of W, I was president of WRJ from 2009 to 2013. In 2011, the biennial conventions that we had together with the URJ was outside of Washington, D.C., and President Obama spoke to the assembled 6,000 people there. And because I was president of WRJ, I got to meet him in person. And uh, <laughs> I tell this story all the time, and uh, so anyone who knows me knows that. But it was truly a highlight of my life to get to meet him. And it happened to be that we had recently published the Torah, a women's commentary, Women of Reform Judaism, published the women's commentary. Um, we won an the National Jewish Book Award in 2008. Anyway, I took a copy of the book and signed it and was able to hand it directly to President Obama. Wow. So it was pretty cool. That was a highlight. So I always, um, I always ask people who get to meet a president that, did you get any time for like a question or like, did you, what was that conversation like between you and him? Well, I'm happy to share, like I said, anyone who knows me and is watching this will have heard this story. But yeah, there were about, there were about 10 people, the president of the URJ, um, the head of Hebrew Union College, there were 10, like 10 people. And we got to be in a private room and meet him, you know, and have a photo op and all of that. So when I got up to the point where I was going to be the next one and I had the book with me and of course they made everybody you know you took off your name tags for the photo op and you had all your you know you didn't were carrying anything um, and <laughs> uh, I had this book which I was not relinquishing and um, someone assured me that they pr the, the Secret Service would probably not throw me on the ground but um, <laughs> so I said to the Secret Service person I said can I I would like to give this to, you know, should I give it to you? He said, no, you can give it to him. So I walked up to him. He's very tall and very nice looking, and he looks right in your eyes. And I told him who I was and that this was our, you know, featured publication and whatever. And on the front, it says the Torah, a women's commentary. And so, and he looked at it, and he actually read it. And he said, Michelle will really like this. And I said, as will your daughters. Yes, there you go. So it was, I didn't like really ask a question, but he really engaged in, and he did that with absolutely every single person. Wow. He was very genuine and very engaging. That's great. Yeah, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. So obviously those are kind of the profound, impactful moments that you can look back on. And you talk about the work uh, that you've done. What are some of the challenges? And you can talk about challenges from your past in terms of the work that we've done, or what are the challenges that we're facing now? What's what's WRJ up against in 2021? Obviously, COVID is something we're all dealing with, but are there specific challenges that are that are facing WRJ and the women in Reform Judaism movement, um, and, and how might we address those? Okay, the $64,000 question, right? Uh, <laughs> So I, I would say that um, WRJ is um, facing many of the same challenges that uh, I'm, I was going to say that the whole Jewish world is facing and probably the world at large um, uh, in one respect, you know, membership based organizations are um, have probably been on a trajectory of um, 
some concern for a while before COVID and clearly the world that we're all living in for the last year has propelled some of these um, issues at a faster pace, I think. So we are clearly facing, you know, membership and financial um, issues as are every synagogue probably in the country and every membership-based organization. Um, that said, I think that, um, you know, we always say in the last more than 100 years, you know, our foremothers went through a lot, <laughs> through the Depression, through world wars, um, through huge changes in the Jewish world, um, and managed to pivot and find ways to move forward. And I, I feel very confident that Women of Reform Judaism is doing that now. We are very much um, adapted to the electronic world. And uh, our, as I mentioned, our major conference coming up March 12th to the 14th, the Free Women's Conference, uh, which is just going to have some incredibly um, uh, international and nationally known speakers. Uh, lots of music, um, very exciting program that is being offered online. I think that, that those kinds of things we are adapting well. Uh, our foremothers uh, and, and really all along have also had great financial um, um, foresight. So we have reserves and we're certainly not, you know, uh, struggling desperately at the moment as we are still trying to figure out how to move forward um, in, in the membership kind of based world. Uh, and as you saw, as I mentioned from our um, resolutions, we're, we're definitely still working hard to, to promote um, the reform Judaism in general and women's issues in, in specific. Uh, someone needs to be a voice and we are trying to always be the voice um, of conscience in the in the movement, uh, so I think there are a lot of positive things out there as well. Yeah. So with that in mind, Lynn, how if people are hearing this and they're inspired? Because I think it's very very difficult to listen to you and your story and the work that you've done and not be inspired and not want to do something about it. <laughs> so how can people get more information? And if people feel compelled to help support this work, where can they go? Okay, great, quick. So right now, um, I would suggest the WRJ website, which is pretty easy, wrj.org. Um, there's a lot of information there. Um, I think the movement at, at large, the Union for Reform Judaism, urj.org. Um, and I think because in COVID times in particular, but in general, we are a global community. We have brothers and Jewish brothers and sisters all over the world, 50 countries as a matter of fact. Um, there is an organization called the World Union for Progressive Judaism. Again, we're, we're big on acronyms in the Jewish world. <laughs> uh, so World Union is W-U-P-J, World Union for Progressive Judaism.org. Also a wonderful website. Um, there is lots of information. Um, just as an example, the World Union is, is offering a program now of sharing Shabbat with different places around the world. So that means it might be in Pittsburgh, you know, Friday afternoon, but you can share Shabbat with the European congregation. Um, and some of the share with, you know, someone in New Zealand or a congregation somewhere. It's really exciting. So um, 
there are lots of opportunities, but uh, yeah, WRJ's website is uh, will have a lot of opportunities. Great. Well, Lynn, I just really appreciate your time and visiting with us today, and uh, best of luck with everything that's going on, and thank you for the work that you've done for not just Reform Judaism, but Judaism as a whole and women in Judaism. Um, it's, it's really, really appreciated, and hopefully we can have you on again for a later episode. We can talk again. Thank you very much. It's been really fun. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Fifteen Minutes with a Mensch is a podcast supported by the Prayer, Practices, and Learning Committee at Redef Shalom Congregation in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. For more information on upcoming events or how you can get involved, check out our website at www.rodefshalom.org. I'm Bill Battistone.